Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day, stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current. I dream of a world where no racism I can freely, loudly say Where I don't feel like I have to run away Well, Tuam FM Muslim Community Radio was very pleased to attend the anti-discrimination New South Wales multicultural media launch on Monday the 28th of November at Parramatta Square Business and Events Centre. So essentially the state's anti-discrimination authority, again anti-discrimination New South Wales, launched a series of community language videos and these community language videos provide vital information on anti-discrimination New South Wales services. So those new videos available in Arabic, Vietnamese, Cantonese, Mandarin and Korean were produced in response to community consultations and contain simple messages about AD New South Wales services and the process for lodging a complaint. Accepted I am in my real home For it's the place where I have grown So the special launch was in line with anti-discrimination New South Wales commitment to eliminate discrimination across the state of New South Wales. And the focus of the launch was the actions that anti-discrimination New South Wales have taken in response to the feedback that communities need information in their language. So those videos were produced in response to those community consultations and they contain really simple messaging about anti-discrimination New South Wales services and about the process for lodging a complaint of discrimination. During this event, we heard from a number of key speakers, including Helen McKenzie, the president of the Anti-Discrimination Board, Joseph Laposta, CEO of Multicultural New South Wales, Melissa Montiero, Anti-Discrimination New South Wales Board Member and Chief Executive Officer of Community Migrant Resource Centre. We're going to listen to some snippets from the opening speech by the president of Anti-Discrimination New South Wales, who, as I said before, is Helen McKenzie. Now, Helen McKenzie was appointed as the president in February 2022. She is a highly regarded employment lawyer and business leader, and she brings a wealth of experience to the role, having been a partner of a major law firm. So Helen McKenzie commenced by talking about the aims and objectives of anti-discrimination New South Wales and that is to demonstrate and work towards eliminating discrimination 
and they do that in a number of ways. Primarily by uh, helping, answering inquiries from people and helping people to uh, resolve their complaints, bring complaints and resolve them. But we also have an important function to raise awareness about discrimination, about its impact on the community uh, and taking action to try and influence change uh, in, a number of, in a number of ways. So every year, Anti-Discrimination New South Wales answer an, a high number of inquiries and they provide general advice for those people who think they've been discriminated against. Every year, uh, we answer more than 2,500 inquiries uh, and we uh, work towards resolving more than 1,500 complaints that are broad. And complaints can be broad in any language. Uh, translations are organised at no cost. It is undeniably so important to enable and facilitate opportunities for culturally and linguistically diverse communities to access, you know, really critical complaint services, particularly in language support for people who don't speak English particularly well. Uh, New South Wales is the most culturally diverse state in Australia with 2.2 million people or more speaking a language other than English at home. So it's obviously um, very important in terms of ensuring accessibility to our services that we are able to, uh, as much as we can, facilitate the bringing of complaints and inquiries uh, in the languages that people uh, speak at home. And much of the complaints received by anti-discrimination New South Wales are on the disability and race discriminatory front. Disability and race discrimination are consistently the most common grounds of both inquiry and complaint that we get. Uh, and a lot of the work of our complaints and inquiries officers is working with both uh, complainants and respondents to help resolve these sorts of complaints. So Anti-Discrimination New South Wales conducted consultations with various multicultural communities in 2021 and they did that to try to understand the different experiences of racism and discrimination and the level of awareness of the available anti-discrimination services. We also have um, a big focus on trying to raise awareness about our services including uh, making sure people understand how they can access uh, our services, how they can bring complaints uh, or make an inquiry. Uh, and that uh, function is undertaken by our communities in engagement team primarily, led by Debbie Newen. Uh, and we have a number of dedicated officers uh, under her who engage regularly with multicultural communities in New South Wales. And what we're talking about today is, is one of the direct outcomes of, of that engagement. Uh, and that uh, relates to a, a process of consultation uh, that has been undertaken. So late 2021 and throughout this year, uh, our team conducted uh, seven focus group discussions with more than 65 participants from five major multicultural language groups of New South Wales, uh, being Chinese, the Arabic-speaking, Indian, Vietnamese and Korean uh, communities. Uh, so although our act, of course, covers all sorts of discrimination, the purpose of the consultations was to focus on race discrimination. And, and that was in part in response to a lot of feedback that we'd received, particularly during the height of the COVID, uh, that multicultural communities were experiencing um, a significant increase in race discrimination. 
In fact, more than one third of our COVID-related complaints that we've had during the 2021 into 22 period were about race discrimination. And if you cast your minds back to early 2020, uh, in the beginnings of COVID, you might recall a lot of media coverage about some of the treatment that uh, members, particularly of the Chinese and other Asian communities, experienced uh, as a, um, I guess, a reaction to the fear that COVID uh, caused the community in its early days. Uh, so the consultation, progress, uh, consultation process was facilitated uh, very much by some key community partners. So that's what those consultations essentially found was that, you know, one of the main barriers for communities in terms of accessing services is that, you know, lack of awareness around the services available. And also, in addition to that, a lack of translated information. And what we heard back from uh, the consultation process, uh, importantly, were a number of key things. Firstly, that there were clearly barriers uh, experienced by members of those communities to reporting discrimination. And those barriers included being, uh, there being a lack of information about uh, what AD New South Wales does and how we can help, uh, a lack of information or understanding about what is race discrimination, um, how do you uh, know it, recognise it when you experience it, uh, how do you understand that it's against the law and that there's actually remedies uh, available to you. And for, for members of multicultural communities, language support is obviously critical in enabling them to both understand the services that are available and accessing those services. Uh, and one of the suggestions that came out of the community consultation uh, was that we produce some short uh, in-language videos uh, that are on YouTube, but of course they also are also going to be on our website. Uh, and they suggested that we produce them in, in the languages and that they are actively engaged in working with us uh, going forward to, to co-design uh, further uh, tools and information uh, um, videos in, in language so that uh, the products that are produced are produced as a result of a partnership with the community leaders so that there is a sense of ownership and um, shared commitment to uh, those, those products. Uh, so as a result of uh, that feedback, we've, we've acted on that and today we are going to be uh, launching our UN language YouTube videos. Um, we recognise, of course, that there's still a lot more work to, to be done, but we're very appreciative of the uh, focus group findings, the time and effort that the participants spent in giving us their feedback. It certainly helped shape our thinking uh, and has uh, contributed to the development of our uh, strategies going forward. So that's essentially why those in-language video resources were produced. And that was essentially to meet the needs of those culturally and linguistically diverse communities. So they're looking at different ways of expanding on this initiative in the future, finding better ways of, you know, eliminating any misconceptions about the complaints and handling process with regards to discrimination. The things that we've taken away from that, which are going to be the subject of uh, future work, uh, we will continue to work to co-design information sessions in language for communities uh, and to publish more 
case studies. We got some very positive feedback that the case studies really help people understand uh, and recognise this, apply their situation to uh, how the law operates. So um, we we have case studies on our website, and we we put publish them all uh, each month in a, in the newsletter that I put out. Um, but the feedback is that it would be really good to have more of those. And also when we're presenting to, to communities to actually be able to present those case studies in language. And we are working uh, on doing that. Well, I guess sadly, one of the main issues faced by those communities is the fear of retribution. And, you know, it's not terribly surprising that people, uh, especially employees, are quite anxious about what might happen to them if they report misconduct or if they report any concerns at work. There's this sense of fear um, of retaliation and that's what really prevents reporting or making a complaint even when they're not actually justified in a particular workplace. So the focus really is to strengthen their resilience and confidence in making a complaint about a discriminatory or racist incident that they've experienced, regardless of where they might be. Because one of the things that became apparent is people uh, people experience or fear retribution or adverse consequences if they do make a complaint. And we need to increase the, the level of awareness and education about what constitutes victimisation and the protections uh, that the legislation provides people uh, for that. We're also going to uh, continue to develop a network of multicultural community organisations uh, that can continue to support community members uh, to, to make a discrimination complaint and to assist them uh, through the process. Um. So there is that support available. There is a free service for those who want to make a complaint in any language that they wish. So Helen McKenzie gave some background and context about the support available and the type of, I guess, the complaints process, um, which can all be identified in the in-language video resources that were launched on Monday. formal launch of those videos, we heard from Joseph Laposta, who is the CEO of Multicultural New South Wales. Now, according to MC Nasreen Khadradahir from SBS Arabic TV news team, Joseph is driven to improve access and services to our newest Australians. He is also passionate about supporting established communities to preserve and nourish their cultures and their language. And since joining as CEO in January of 2019, Joseph has overseen the delivery of Multicultural New South Wales Strategic Plan for 2021 to 2025 and the implementation of a new award for the language services business.
And he particularly started his address by drawing on a couple of census stats, particularly about the diversity of New South Wales, in turn, I guess, placing emphasis on the importance of such translated videos. The launch of these translated videos comes at a time when data reveals that New South Wales remains one of the most culturally, linguistically and diverse states you said in Australia, I say on earth. Um, The 2021 census revealed that Arabic, Vietnamese, Cantonese and Mandarin make up the top five languages spoken in New South Wales with Koreans, to our friends from Korea, very quickly catching up now in the top ten. These languages are the now most spoken languages in New South Wales after English, demonstrating the importance and necessity of these translated videos to help combat discrimination. Also in his address, Joseph Lacosta reiterated that the New South Wales government really stands against all forms of racism. Discrimination exists very sadly in this country in many forms. But regardless of how it's presented, there is no place for it in our society. The New South Wales government opposes all forms of hate, racism and discrimination and has a number of initiatives and mechanisms such as our two agencies to help create, to support and to monitor inclusive practices. So we said that Joseph Lacosta is the CEO of Multicultural New South Wales. The question is, what is the role of Multicultural New South Wales? Anti-discrimination New South Wales is a critical part of protecting the diversity of our state. I know this firsthand as my agency, Multicultural New South Wales, has a long-standing collaborative partnership with Anti-Discrimination New South Wales, including the legislative responsibilities to advise, make recommendations and refer matters to ADNSW relating to discrimination and racial vilification. And it's one of the questions I often get asked, what is Multicultural New South Wales doing to monitor racism and discrimination? And it's actually not our job. It's one of the great unknown myths. We have a dedicated agency and department in ADNSW that is doing that exact thing. And it's a collaboration between our two agencies that's critical for government. So as good as it is to call MNSW and talk about your issues, we're actually not qualified and we're not the best placed as ADNSW are to provide you that level of service. Whilst we're equally committed to it, this is where the nexus of our two relationships is critical. So ADNSW then work with Multicultural New South Wales on what the policies are, what are the legislations, what are the frameworks in terms of government combating discrimination and promoting our social cohesion. Our shared stance on discrimination is necessary as the state becomes increasingly multicultural. Joseph Lacosta, in his speech, also read out some critical stats and outstanding figures about the composition of Australia, really emphasising the importance of migration in our state and how far our country has come. One in two of us was born overseas or has a parent born overseas. One in two. One in three of us, almost, speaks a language other than English at home. One in three. They are astounding figures when you think about the composition of Australia. And I've got good news for this room. Might scare a few people out there, Mark Latham, but I've got good news for this room. 
the reality of the situation is that that's only going forward. So Australia is growing largely off the back of migration. And with that comes a shift in all of our mindsets to embrace and appreciate that difference. And I think about some of the areas like Parramatta, 55% of Parramatta speaks a language other than English at home. Auburn, 62%. Fairfield, 56%. And people go, oh, well, that's southwestern Sydney. It's not. It's New South Wales. 25% of people in the Griffith local government area were born overseas. 25%, one in four people in Griffith was born overseas. Now, that's pretty cool when you think about the changing face of a lot of our regional areas as well. But all of this requires a fair bit of work in terms of bringing people together and sort of making sure that we don't lose our individuality, but at the same time as a collective, as the eagle, as the glue, that we can bond together and ensure that our difference is supported. Well, Multicultural New South Wales has really continued to build trust and work very closely with culturally and linguistically diverse communities, as well as build a relation with the government. Because at the end of the day, they have to report back to Parliament about the state of community relations in New South Wales. So agencies like ours have been around for over 40 years, which I'm really proud of. Um, and we continue, whether it's a Community Relations Commission or Ethnic Affairs Commission or now Multicultural New South Wales, building trust and working with people. I'm also really pleased, and this is one of the things that both AD and SW and MNSW has to do, we have to report to Parliament on how we're going. That's your political leaders. So we actually have a report each year that talks about the state of community relations in New South Wales. And sometimes that's warts and all. And people don't like it when I say, you know, as a lot of you know in this space, people are sort of happy to go along with it until it becomes uncomfortable and a bit gritty and a bit tough. But that's part of our job. Part of our job is to actually lean into that sort of gritty and toughness and that, 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 that tension that can sometimes exist within different cultures or behaviours that are prevalent, acknowledging them and then thinking about how we can work together and bind those common values and things that make us all Aussies. That's the opportunity for our country as a collective. So providing language services is a top priority for New South Wales to meet the language needs of new and existing culturally and linguistically diverse communities. I touched on the five top languages, but now we speak somewhere in the vicinity of 350 different languages in Australia. That's not easy. Imagine providing language services to 350 different communities. And that's okay. That's part of the, you know, the learnings and the challenges. And if you look at the conflicts in Syria and Iraq, you know, lots of Assyrians, Yazidis and others fleeing, coming to Australia. Really tricky when we have to build new languages like Kurdish, Kumanji and others to be able to meet the needs of those new communities that are coming here. But that's our role. That's our role in working together, and I'm delighted that we have a team that's led by Breda, who's here today, that employs over 1,400 interpreters and translators. So whilst I'm okay to see AD and SW using TIS at the moment, that's okay, it's a Commonwealth service. I'm very pleased that Multicultural New South Wales has now built its own telephone interpreting service, and our hope is one day with people like Judy from Police and, and Courts New South Wales, uh, and in time to pick up more and more of those government clients because we know that 
It's so important that our New South Wales-based residents and citizens have employment opportunities in the state as well to do more of their great work. And I'm pleased that the New South Wales government has listened off the back of COVID and wants to get better on a lot of this stuff and they've invested in us to help it do so. So I think, Breda, we cover up to 110 of those 350 languages now, but it's incumbent upon us to keep growing that. In the end, Joseph spoke about what we acquired and learned from the COVID pandemic. He reiterated that translation of materials is simply not enough. It's about the way in which the messaging is being delivered. So surely, according to him, there's more work to be done. I don't want to overcook it, but COVID really taught us a lot of things. And you know these. So this isn't going to come to any great surprise in this room. But translating material isn't enough. The job's not done. You know, and I can see lots of multicultural media partners in the room. You know this. If you translate the material, that's helpful. But really, it's about how that messaging then connects. And I talk about awareness. So when someone becomes aware of something, think about difficult staff or friends that you work with or even family members. You, you make them aware of something. That doesn't mean that awareness doesn't equal change. It equals a choice. Okay? Awareness doesn't equal change, it equals a choice. And part of what we have to do as a government is make people aware. But more importantly, as a collective and as a community and seeing community, religious leaders, multicultural, we have to then help them make that choice to embrace that messaging or to embed that messaging. And that's what COVID taught us. It taught us it was a really difficult time asking mosques to close for the first time in 600 years. Hey, that's never been done before taking away the things that some people hold most dear to their heart in terms of connections to families. For goodness sake, limiting the size of, of funerals. Like, these are the most difficult of times, but with you and the community, we're able to do it together. But it also put a lot of pressure on us. And that's why, when we were talking before about the role of racism and discrimination, it's critical that we don't allow that pressure to then divest into divisive people, like people like Donald Trump, that blamed China, or as he used, the China virus, and the ramifications that had on our Sydney streets and on our Chinese community. And it's great to see people from CAS and other organisations here today. That had a direct impact on their wellbeing. It had a direct impact as they were targeted in our streets for being perpetrators of a, violence, a virus. And as I said to a lot of different people, the virus didn't have a face. It was a common enemy to all of us. And it was critical that we bonded together in those most difficult times and supported each other. And that's why I'm so proud of the work of the New South Wales government. We supported over 900 community organisations, over 50 multicultural media partners to help us in getting that messaging out there. And the challenge for the government now is to sustain it. And as we come into an election, I implore all of you to make sure that whoever the political leadership is that you are having conversations with, to remind them that now one in two of us has a parent born overseas, one in three of us was either was born overseas, and one in four of us speaks a language other than English at home, because that is now the face of Australia. I'm incredibly proud of the work of anti-discrimination in New South Wales. Like a lot of you, I hope that the five languages is really just the starting point of what's to come, but I also know that the five languages that have selected are critical to helping us get this messaging across if there is anything my agency can do to build awareness about anti-discrimination in New South Wales, we will, because it plays a critical role. And if you think about it, and you think about a lot of countries I know my family's from, 
There is no anti-discrimination Italy or any of those things. We are really lucky to be in a country like Australia and a state like New South Wales where these things are valued. So with that in mind, I commend anti-discrimination New South Wales. I thank the leadership under President McKenzie. I look forward to continuing to collaborate, and my team does, with partners like CMRC, Melissa, DCJ, and lots of different representatives, police and others across government. And I thank you all for your time today. All across the world, there are Muslim people. All across the world, there are Muslim people. Hey. Some are very big, some are very small White skin, brown skin, dark we had them all All across the world, there are Muslim people Indeed, all across the world, there are Muslim people from diverse cultures and ethnic groups. You are tuned in to Keeping Up With The Current, Nadia with you on the show and I'm talking to you about the anti-discrimination New South Wales media launch that Tuam FM attended on Monday the 28th of November. AD New South Wales launched new in-language resources to help multicultural communities in New South Wales recognise and report diverse types of racism and discrimination. So I have shared with you the key address of Two key figures we heard from the president of AD New South Wales and uh, just before the CEO of Multicultural New South Wales. Finally, we will be hearing from Melissa Montiero, one of the board members of AD New South Wales and the CEO of the Community Migrant Resource Centre. Melissa has more than 28 years of experience in the community sector. She is the chair of the Settlement Council of Australia, executive board member of Police and Multicultural Advisory Council. So what she did is she spoke more about her organisation, that is the Community Migrant Resource Centre, and also she touched a little bit about the programs that embed culture and language and programs that have diversity in all its forms in addition to the importance of those videos. So as I said, she addressed the importance of language and culture for diverse communities and the impact of those videos. I'd like to just start by saying how important communication, culture, language are for diverse communities. These videos really are going to reach out not just to these five communities, but I know in time they're going to spread far and wide. For me, it forms the cornerstone. Communication and culture and language are really the cornerstone. At the CMRC, they're embedded in our everyday living and our life. It is really the thread that goes into all of the work that we do in our organisation. She then spoke about the different types of services that her organisation provides. But we provide employment assistance and training, family and youth support services, language assistance and bilingual support programs across New South Wales, our Business Connect support to multicultural businesses in New South Wales again, our settlement services that assist new arrivals to build self-reliance and integrate into the local community, 
employment and training that assist our target groups to understand and access Australian labour market programmes. We provide family support initiatives that address some of the social and cultural challenges of new arrivals to Australia. We know that our communities need more support and we know that, especially during COVID, Joseph, as you rightly said, we had to change the way that we delivered our services and we responded and we didn't react, but we responded during these very unprecedented times. We are always delighted to partner with agencies in our catchment, which spans across Western Sydney and Greater Sydney as well. One of her flagship programs is Business Connect. It's a dedicated and personalised New South Wales government program that really aims to help CALD communities get independent business advice, practical insights and business skills training on a range of topics. Today what is relevant for us is one of, I'm going to start off with our Business Connect program where we provide the only statewide multicultural business advisory services. The CMRC's Small Business Advisory Service has been refunded refunded through the NSW Department of Industry Office of the Small Business Commissioner for the provision of business advisory services to the Arabic, the Chinese, the Korean, the Vietnamese, small businesses in Greater Western Sydney. Very, very important and very relevant to reach out to thousands of business operators across um, the catchment who were born overseas. And the CMRC wants to really ensure that these small business operators have the tools available to help them and their businesses to grow. And we provide these services to over, like I said, these six language groups, which are the Korean, the Chinese, the Arabic, and the Vietnamese. And we employ staff or contractors that provide expert advice on managing their small businesses across Greater Western Sydney. She also spoke about the significance of migration and the role of the Australian settlement sector in helping to improve the lifetime well-being of migrants and refugees that are settling in Australia. Friends, what I'd like to say today at this launch of these multicultural videos and these videos that we've got in so many languages is that every person who arrives in Australia goes through a process of settlement. That is the process of adjusting to a new life in Australia. It is adjusting to be more inclusive of people of different backgrounds. The Australian settlement services sector exists to make this process as smooth as possible, ensuring successive waves of newcomers belong, thrive and experience fulfilling lives. One of the national settlement service standard outcomes Recently, I'm just pleased to say that in Canberra, uh, we had the, um, the launch of the, the annual general meeting of the settlement services, um, um, the council, the SCOA, it's called the Settlement Council of Australia, a Canberra-based organisation, a national umbrella organisation, and I'm proud to be the chair and was re-elected again. But on that day, we launched the Road to Belonging. And once again, which was really nothing else but the importance of having all the elements that I just spoke about, recognizing the diversity, recognizing those numbers that you just spoke about, Joseph, at a national level, uh, at the New South Wales level is what you spoke about. That day we saw those numbers increase um, a hundredfold. 
One of the good things, the announcement that the minister made that day was be prepared, Australia. In the next one to next five years, we're going to have one million new people that will be joining our country. So once again, migration plays a very, very important role. And we, as services, and I can see so many services here in this room, we need to be prepared. And our preparation is in having the tools for our migrant and our refugee communities. As services, we ourselves are prepared uh, with 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 the tools for our own services, you know, like at the CMRC, all the time we're going back to uh, basics. So what do we have? What can we do better? And I encourage all the you know organisations that are here to understand that in order to reach our communities, uh, we've got to make it work in such a way that it is appealing, that we go out of our way to be able to reach those hard to reach communities. And one of the best ways is in having these tools that will make it easy for our staff, our frontline workers on the ground to be able to make this possible. And that was a message from Melissa Montiero, Anti-Discrimination New South Wales Board Member and Chief Executive Officer of the Community Migrant Resource Centre. We'll now listen to an interview with the President of AD New South Wales, Helen McKenzie. Mackenzie, President of Anti-Discrimination New South Wales. Uh, tell us about what the impact of discrimination has been on multi-ethnic communities across New South Wales. Uh, I think all of our uh, research and statistics show that the multicultural communities uh, experience discrimination uh, significantly, particularly in relation to race discrimination, but not confined to race discrimination. And one of the challenges that we've got is to, uh, to reach into those communities to, to make them aware of the avenues that are available to them, not only to, to explain to them what is discrimination, but also what they can do, do about it. I think um, the COVID-19 pandemic, I guess, accelerated incidents of racial discrimination. I think it, it created an environment of fear, which unfortunately, I think, uh, did lead to um, discrimination, particularly against some members of multicultural communities, uh, the Chinese community, uh, initially, you know, particularly in the first uh, first instance. But uh, you know, I think it did because um, you know, fear tends to breed hatred. <laughs> So what do you believe the impact of these new in-language video resources will be on multicultural communities? We're hoping that it will uh, provide greater access to those communities to understand that Anti-Discrimination New South Wales is here uh, to assist them and to provide a service so that they can, uh, in their own language, uh, be able to uh, access the information about what AD New South Wales does, but importantly about what avenues are available to them to pursue a complaint. Uh, and to encourage them uh, to do that and hopefully um, this will be the beginning of, of more tools which will be in, in other languages but we've, we've chosen the five major language groups um, and hopefully it will you know, build, build trust and, and confidence and expand into other communities. Of course, one of the um, main encouragements for those multicultural ethnic communities is for them to be able to have that confidence to make a report. Um, but do you think uh, one of the main things identified in the consultation process was that there's 
no or little to no confidence or hesitation in the complaints process and I guess there's this fear of retaliation fear of you know things getting worse or out of hand after making a complaint so how can you instill that reassurance and confidence in those communities um, to make a complaint when necessary I think part of it is explaining to people that there are protections in the law uh, against victimisation and to explain what those protections are and what sort of conduct it protects. But I think there's an overarching uh, level of trust and confidence in the system that has to be uh, built. And, and hopefully by having community engagement in the consultation process and having active community engagement in the development of the tools in the future um, will help build that confidence. And we're very much committed to working with the state stakeholders so that this is not something that we're imposing on them. It's something that the community itself has helped us uh, to create. That's right. And it is a service available to them if they feel comfortable in reaching out to those services or you're letting them know that they are available for them. And what particularly stood out to me was the translation um, interpretation service available to those people because when lodging a complaint if the only option is in English and they can't write in English or speak in English then that's going to be a wall in front of their it's face. A significant, it's a significant barrier so being able to do these things in their own language so that they can express things in the way they want to express them and knowing that there is a free translation service or if it's in one of the major language groups that uh, the information is actually available to them in their in their language I, I think will be a significant step forward in uh, getting people to, to have confidence and also having the, the support of the communities themselves who hopefully will be endorsing these videos and encouraging members of their community to use them and making it clear that they, they have the support of the communities will also be uh, an important part of building that confidence. Can you tell us lastly about the significance of community radio stations such as Tom FM in being able to convey uh, information and services available to the community endorsed by um, you know, multicultural New South Wales or anti-discrimination New South Wales? Well I think it's important to use all of the channels of communication that are available to communities and recognising that communities, you know, not everybody has the mainstream uh, media, not everybody reads the same papers, but just recognising the different channels that are available and, and working with, with those and, and using them so that you know information is going to people in the in the form that they want through the, the channel that they want and we're getting the message across as much as possible. Absolutely. Tailored messaging is very critical. Well, Helen McKenzie, the President of Anti-Discrimination New South Wales, thank you so much for your invitation and we hope moving forward we'll see more initiatives expand and improve over the years. I think you can be confident that will be yep. the case and thank you so much for, for attending today thank too. Thank you so much. I am Maya Blue from the Multicultural Policy and Engagement Team at the Department of Communities and Justice. We host a lot of community events like um, law expos. So we do a lot of domestic violence work in our team. If we want to talk about how that relates to discrimination more broadly, a lot of the mainstream systems, mainstream DV systems, and this is not directly, of course, but they're not, they're not tailored for our multicultural communities. And so we really try to bridge that gap between um, government and multicultural communities. We try to be that, yeah, that bridge. Yeah, yeah, we try, we, we go, we go to these communities, we go to these organisations and we try to build those relationships and make it a, a more of a safe place for communities. Absolutely. Yeah. So do you feel like in-language support is very critical? Absolutely. Um, as mentioned today, yeah, you know, there are a range yeah. of people 
school in New yes. South Wales who speak a language That's other right. than English. That's and correct. Languages are growing in New That's South so, Wales. Yes. Especially with people migrating to New yeah. South Wales. Yeah. Yeah. There's a sense of urgency to mm. convey those messages. That's absolutely right. Um, actually, during COVID, and this was some of my other colleagues in the team, but they were so proactive during COVID, delivering those um, health promotion um, health policies during COVID in language to those communities. So our CLOs actually, they cover different parts of New South Wales and they all speak another language and they directly engage with those communities in language, so like Assyrian, Sudanese and all of that. My name is Adol Sekpini and I'm the Multicultural Community Liaison Officer. So you attended today's launch. Tell us about what the significance of these community language videos are for the multicultural ethnic communities in New South Wales. Look, the videos um, are really great. Uh, They are very interactive, very simple. And in my opinion, a lot of work and thought has gone into these. And it's the kind of a video that can take a message across, very simple, very but very effective in giving the message out to the community. This is a much needed resource because um, many communities do experience a lot of uh, discrimination and such videos can definitely help them to um, come forward and report uh, incidences of discrimination that they uh, may experience. Absolutely. Do you believe ethnic communities face little to no confidence in the reporting process? I mean, we, we saw from the video today that you know people are encouraged to make a complaint when necessary but do you think there is a lot of fear about the possible repercussions of making a complaint um that could be the case uh but also sometimes people may not necessarily be aware where informations are and such videos can really simplify and facilitate um you know access to complaint avenues for example And that was the post-event coverage of the New South Wales media launch brought to you by 2MFM and Keeping Up With The Current. So the goal of this event really was to empower multicultural communities to be brave in the fight against racism and discrimination. There's really no place for it here. We know Australia prides itself on not only being such a diverse country, a successful multicultural nation, but also the most ethnically diverse country in the world. That's right. Australia is really such a vibrant and multicultural country. We are home to the world's oldest continuous cultures, as well as Australians who identify with more than 270 ancestries. Since 1945, almost 7 million people have migrated to Australia. So there's a lot to be proud of. And, you know, this rich cultural diversity is one of our greatest strengths. It is central to our national identity. But it is so disheartening to see that, you know, in 2022, we are still seeing incidents of racism, bigotry, vilification and discrimination. And there are noticeably a number of people till this very day experiencing this in workplace environments, on public transport and in various educational facilities. 
So despite, you know, the legal protection that many people have, you know, we are still seeing so many people in Australia continue to experience prejudice and ill treatment because of how they look or where they come from. So as a multicultural and multilingual radio station, Tuam FM plays such a pivotal role in challenging racism in the media while providing a platform for the perspectives, the views and stories of culturally and linguistically diverse communities to be shared. And that's something we'll always be proud of. That is why we will not tolerate, we will not promote or perpetuate any kind of racial discrimination and we urge you to do the same. Take the opportunity to reflect on the role that you can play in challenging racism. There is definitely a role for me and a role for you to play in building a better Australia. And with that message, we reach the end of today's episode of Keeping Up With The Current. Please take care. I should feel like I Keep up with the new. Keep up with the important. Keep up with it all on Keeping Up With The Current. Get your news fix for the day. Stay informed and up to date with current affairs and the issues that matter. Nadia has you covered on Keeping Up With The Current.